Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here, joined today by Matt Gibbon, who is the CEO of a company called Seesaw. We're going to be talking about early childhood education, early learning, and some of the ways in which that experience can perhaps be really differentiated, connect to teachers, connect to students, and connect to parents. We'll get into all that in a little bit. Before we do, I want to welcome Matt to the show. Matt, welcome to Trending in Education. Michael, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Well, as I mentioned when we were setting up, I am the parent of a kindergartner, so I am in your target uh, demographic in some ways. So I think there's additional relevance to uh, this conversation for me. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of what you're doing, a lot of interesting stuff and ways in which perhaps you're approaching some of these problems differently. Can we start with a little more of your story, how you got to this point in your professional life? For sure. Well, we, since we talked a little bit before the interview, we found out we have something in common. I started out at Kaplan as a, as a test prep teacher, mm -hmm. um, seeing my bike for a living, and that was my kind of off-season supplemental work, but then wow. ended up- Wait, hang, hang on. Racing your bike? Is that was there a motor on your bike or is it no motor, a pedaling the, bike? You know, yeah. Your legs and your food, but uh, that was about the extent of the motor. So I, my joke, I always tell everybody is you're skinny for two reasons. One, you ride your bike all day and two, you can't afford food. Those were the two two ways that worked out. But so to supplement that, so I could buy some food, I started out test prep teaching and then yeah. ended up with a beautiful 12-year career at Kaplan that I really enjoyed and, mm. and met a lot of great people along the way, some of whom you know. So that was, yeah. it was a great place to be in a great place to start kind of my education in the education business. And so I yeah. uh, really enjoyed that. And, and mm. that got me into uh, K-12 learning. Uh, we started a business at Kaplan called Kaplan K-12 Learning Services, uh, where we started building some technology and that kind of sparked that um, ed tech interest and in what became the rest of my career to date. Um, yeah. Another 20 years or so mm -hmm. uh, at this point. And so uh, that's that's a little bit of my origin story, but I've been in this kind of spot um, within educational technology for a very long time, the vast majority in, in kind of the K-12 education space. And and now recently with Seesaw really focused on that kind of K-6 earlier learning group of kids. Yeah. And maybe we can go there next. You know, what drew you to Seesaw? What got you more focused on more the early learner? Talk us through that progression and, and the kind of work that you're doing at Seesaw. Sure. Yeah. I've taken a little detour into financial services training for about three years ran a business called Serify, which was fantastic. And they are doing really well now, but that was financial services training. So an adult learner at work, really going after designations and certifications for them to, to kind of further their career. And, and the opportunity came along to, to come back to K-12 with Seesaw. And it was a really unique opportunity. I, I've been around long enough to kind of not watch from the very beginning of educational technology. I mean, I wasn't, you know, selling Oregon Trail software. I was too young for that. I, yeah. Did that at school, but you know, having seen a lot of it, what I hadn't seen very often, maybe once or twice in my entire career, was an application that teachers, particularly elementary school teachers, really loved. Mm -hmm. And seeing kind of the user, a lot of the you know few months I took before we agreed to kind of go on this journey together with Seesaw, what was you know what was happening with the application, what was happening with the user, and the user love for the app was just unbelievable. And then just recently, last week, as a matter of fact, Seesaw really hadn't been out in the world at conferences and things like that before. That wasn't something that Seesaw did historically, but we were at a huge international conference in London last week called BED, B-E-T-T. Mm -hmm. And the Seesaw booth was swarmed every day with teachers. We have a huge international presence. About 30% of our business is international. And a lot of that's in the UK. And so mm -hmm. we just were swarmed with teachers and administrators and users 
just wanting to see our people in real life, some mm -hmm. of them whom they talk with or, or interact with all the time. But I've never, the reports coming out of the conference and the videos and the pictures, never seen anything like it. It was, it was incredible. And the same thing was happening at FETC, one of the big ed tech conferences right. in Florida, the same mm -hmm. couple of days. Mm -hmm. and, and it was just reinforcing for the decision I made on, this is a place that's special. And it's a place that teachers in particular really love. And that was unique and, and different. And so that was one of the things that drew me here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're going to get into a white paper that we'll share as part of the show notes for the episode. We'll dig into it in some more depth. You've been doing some research and trying to uncover some principles that really underlie what makes good K6. P I even saw a PK in there, although my kids are kindergarten. Yeah, so you, you can, you can yeah. drop, drop the P if you want. But we'll get down there too. Exactly. But yep. the idea, like there's some really interesting principles that I think we could dig into a little bit more. And also just for context, can you tell the story of Seesaw too, in terms of how long it's been around and, you know, some of the factors that have been driving its growth in recent years? Sure. Seesaw was a founder-led company until just when I came last year, almost a year ago. Mm -hmm. At this point, we just had our 11th birthday last Monday. So very, very timely on the birthday for Seesaw, but 11 years really started out as an app to help facilitate kind of teacher's day. You know, how do you operate within a school environment, having technology help some of the things that are common tasks that teachers have to deal with every day that take a lot of time, managing their classroom, managing their, their assignments, their interactions with students, and then ultimately parents. And what the founders, Adrian and Carl, were incredibly good at was listening to those users. So those teacher users, those kid users, the parent users, and focusing really hard on what they wanted and what they thought they needed and I think that's what's generated that love at the teacher level is we were very ear to the ground on what they wanted and what was helpful to them. Mm -hmm. And not, you know, as a lot of education applications kind of focus on what's, especially ed tech business applications, what's going to be good for the administrator, the buyer, those things are good. And that it's important, but that's not where Seesaw started. It really started at that teacher user, that student user, that parent user, mm -hmm. what did they need? To develop. And since the application was so closely aligned with the younger students, the tools were kind of built from a younger student's perspective, a teacher that's teaching elementary's perspective. So they weren't tools that were built for the higher grades where education technology really kind of started yes. and worked back down. Mm -hmm. We really kind of worked up. And I think that's one of the things that makes us unique in this environment is we were really pointed there first and not pointed from a higher grade level moving down. And I think the other thing that's kind of interesting and, and differentiating is, you know, we think about that student's experience as being central to what's happening and the teacher's experience as a complement to that. So a lot of ed tech, the knock on it, especially from a teacher perspective, is that it's trying to kind of get rid of the teacher. You put the right. student on the technology and it's right. taking the teacher out of the equation. You know, it's supposed to spit out some outcome at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. We are kind of going out in a completely different direction. We're saying the teacher is integral, the parent is integral, especially at this early age. Right. Here are teachers, you hear us talk about the learning loop. Who has to be in that loop for that student to be successful? And so that's where the focal point from Adrian and Carl's perspective early on was. Like, who are these people that are important to the student's life and success? And let's get them involved in every aspect of it versus, hey, student, go sit on a computer. We're going to make your math score better. Like, that right. wasn't, the origin of Seesaw. Right. And I think in a different time, if COVID didn't happen, it may have taken a lot longer for Seesaw to grab hold the way it did. Yeah. But the accelerant for us, which was kind of the remote learning element of COVID, we were able to get that massive, massive user base and then kind of 
take that to the next level. Now the work we're doing is, okay, we've got these three critical elements of the loop together, the parent, mm -hmm. the teacher, and the student. Mm -hmm. How do we bring the administrator there too? And so a right. lot of the work we're doing now is to try to bring that administrator in and make sure that they understand what's happening in the classroom and how can they help. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, I'm even struck now as a parent of a kindergartner, how much it changes from he was in 3K and then pre-K. Each phase has been pretty profoundly different. And now I am picking up more on kind of like the institutional flow that becomes much more of the rhythm of elementary school. What I found to be an interesting counterpoint to that that's in your white paper, and I did maybe want to get there next, is, you know, there's these principles that you're outlining, but this idea of joyful learning, this idea of, you know, in addition to it being focused, maybe even because it's focused on these young learners, there is more of a sense of play and joy and some of the curiosity, some of the things that are really natural to those young learners that I think frequently we forget about perhaps when we're designing for them. So maybe we could talk about that principle first and try to hit on each of them. Yeah, let's start with joyful and inclusive learning and joyful learning. You know, I, I think one of the things that's kind of without have, being a parent that's in the app or without being a user of the app, you wouldn't know from the outset. And we're talking about educational technology and that kind of evokes something like an app on your phone and a kid going through a gamified experience about yep. learning mathematics or whatever. There are things to do in Seesaw as a student. There are puzzles to solve and, and lessons to do and all those things. And teachers can design a lot of that themselves. And that's a lot of what makes Seesaw very teacher-friendly mm -hmm. is that they're developing and using their colleagues and peers' lessons that they prepared. And that's great. But a lot of what happens that's captured in Seesaw is not happening on technology. It's happening in the real world. Mm -hmm. And it's happening in those joyful moments of, you know, building something in class, but Seesaw is capturing that build through video or audio or otherwise that is then shared throughout that student's learning loop, right? Brought mm -hmm. to their parents, brought to their teacher, they can see what's happening or whether they're learning to read. And I think one of the more powerful kind of, if we hear a lot of anecdotes from parents or from teachers that are really powerful and kind of that tear evoking moment, it's reading and, and watching a student who's either an, an English language learner, you know, or a, English as a second language learner or an early reader, if they're doing something early in Seesaw early in the year and they're reading a passage and it's being recorded, so we see them reading. Yeah, yeah. And then a couple of weeks later, they're doing the same thing and you can see the difference. Mm -hmm. Just a test score, like, yes, they did better. Here's our report card. It's yeah. early hearing them read or seeing them read. And then reading better a few weeks later and noting that progress side by side is something that really hasn't really happened before. That kind of immediate, visceral, visual feedback about what's happening in the classroom is something that people really grab onto in, in Seesaw and something the parents especially. And you can imagine, I mean, I've heard I've, it's, it's back to the tear jerking moments. There are a lot of them around Seesaw and a lot of our folks will say that, especially our teachers. But we had a great story, a great anecdote about you know, a student that is just fired up about the, the, what they've been able to do. They're able to read a book that they weren't able to read before. Mm -hmm. And their parent, in this particular instance, was in the military overseas. They're getting real time what's happening in that student's classroom, not a report yeah. card, not a note yeah. from the teacher, but their student reading and progressing in class. And that, you know, the way the teacher told that story to me one day is just very, you know, that happy tears. Like, that's fantastic. That's right. Just, that's the power of the technology, but it's not about the technology driving the students' learning. It's about getting everybody to participate yeah. in 
students learning in a way that's kind of unique. And, and yeah, and that that speaks to the right. the second principle you're talking about in here, which is to facilitate connected learning. And right. you know, as a parent, you know, you're you are kind of tugging at my heartstrings. It does remind me a little bit of our son was in daycare and he was learning to walk in daycare. Which, of course, you know, you always imagine. No, he's only learning right. in, yeah, I want to see at home in front of me. Only family, what I right. see. But I do remember that you know, they the folks sent us some video of him just starting to walk over there, and it just made me feel very differently, even about picking him up that night. You know, because right. like there was a milestone, and then the folks on the other end took the care to actually memorialize it and understand that I would care about it. Yep. It does feel like there's some real connected emotional design. You know, not just hitting on the cognitive side and the academic achievement goals, but there is also some sense, you know, a lot of product design, product development is thinking more about how do we build that connection to the user, actually solve real problems for them. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like what's involved in in how you're getting at these problems and, and how are you building out a, a product that that folks really wind up loving? Yeah, I mean, this is this all going to mix and match so much. I mean, the, the joy that a student shows by their, you know, just successful understanding of something new, a new concept or a new way to do something, or now that they can read when they couldn't before, those things are, and the play that's captured within the system versus, again, marching through assessments or marching through something that's kind of a, a linear pathway through a, through a piece of technology, that directly connects to this kind of, how are we connecting everybody in this loop? How are we connecting everybody in this learning loop? And making sure that all of the supports, you know, back to the supports of the student and especially why it's unique for elementary, the older high school student, they may need, but they don't necessarily need the same type of daily interaction to reinforce what's happening at school from their parent right. or from someone else. Right. As a, whereas a, a kindergartner or a third grader, right. that is valuable interaction, like the conversations at the dinner table. Right. Being able to really talk about what's happening at school that's productive for that student or where they may need some help or how to give teachers some feedback immediately about, oh, I saw, you know, Johnny do X, Y, or Z at home. That's great because that's following on what I just saw him do at school. And they're kind of understanding more about what's really where that student is at that time mm -hmm. and not for the parent-teacher conference, not waiting for the report card, not waiting for a note. It's all kind of happening in real time. And so it's a different conversation with the people that are really important to that student than it would otherwise be, where everything's kind of asynchronous in a way that's, you know, not super helpful. And students aren't necessarily great at saying what's going to happen or what has happened. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, um, they're not. Yeah. And especially as they get older, because mine's my son's 13. So you get, sure. a, you get a grunt and a OK, and it, it was okay. Yeah. But, right. you know, you the same level of kind of understanding what they're learning and why. And I think right. that's something that's really unique there. But I think that, you know, back to this kind of, you know, how does everything rely on the other thing? Mm -hmm. The joyful nature of what's happening at school connects directly to the, to the connected nature of what's happening. And I think it, either they both reinforce one another. Yeah. And you can see how that was accelerated by the pandemic, where at least in the positive cases where, you know, not everyone had a great ride through it, but some folks got through better than others. There was that sense of we're in this together, and a lot of the the apps that I've been experienced so far as a parent have been more about that. Like, how do you actually facilitate a more genuine relationship with the teacher? Because at the end of the day, you're both invested in the success of your kid. How do you really facilitate that and kind of build that connectivity 
Speaking of connectivity, there is also the idea of inclusivity and accessibility. You had one of my favorite three-letter acronyms as a fellow former Kaplan person. I do like acronyms and initialisms, but universal design for learning being baked in. Uh, we haven't gotten into uh, AI yet, but it is 2024 now, and yep. pretty much every conversation is talking about that. One interesting note, when you think about universal design for learning uh, that I've been coming around to more lately is that AI is actually an assistive technology in a lot of cases, and there are ways in which you can actually get a little more personalization, a little more of that sense of, you know, the institution, the organization, my teacher, they know me better because they're doing something with my data. I'm sure it's tricky navigating all this these days, but I would be curious first, you know, the, the fact that UDL is called out specifically in one of your principles, I think it's worthwhile to take a beat or two on that. But then secondly, I'd love to get a little more of your thinking about the technology revolution that you kind of joined Seesaw right in the midst of. Yep. Before we get to that, how about a little bit on the the UDL and, you know, trying to design for all learners? Can we talk a little bit about that principle as well? So and again, a lot of things mix and match very well here. And so one of them is early learners are coming from all different levels of starting, right? So let's talk about kindergarten. Kids come to kindergarten in wildly different places from a what they've had, the tools they've had at home. And that's mm -hmm. a lot of, the, you know, their economic circumstances, a lot of the driver there. You know, how much they're ready for things like reading, right? right. They, some of them read really well, some of them not at all and, and, and everywhere in between. Mm -hmm. And so how do you build something for this learner that can speak to that student at one end of the spectrum that has zero academic experience and is really struggling to get to a place where they can read and they're just learning all those things to one that's much more advanced? And how do you meet the gap for all of those learners? And so I think one of the places where the students are particularly engaged in Seesaw is it's very straightforward for them to record themselves, use the tools within the platform, within the learning experience platform, making sure that they can actually interact in the way the teacher wants them to. And it's intuitive for them to do that. And it doesn't require a level of technical proficiency or reading proficiency just to engage mm -hmm. with what's happening. And so the universal design, the learning principles that we try to understand are one, so that any student, regardless of language proficiency, reading proficiency, you know, technical skill or history can use that, can use Seesaw, can enjoy it and know how to do it immediately, that it's intuitive mm -hmm. for them. And again, that's a big gap between if you pushed a higher learning designed LMS or some other platform or some experience to that early learner, they may have a hurdle that's too high, yeah. even engaged or involved. And so a lot of our design is to make sure that that's true. And that goes hand in hand with the WCAG, the web accessibility guidelines as well. Yeah. We make yeah. sure that it's accessible for kids with more than learning challenges or more than experiential challenges that actually have things like they need screen readers or they need to right. make sure colors are accessible to make sure that they can see it if they were colorblind or anything else. Like any, mm -hmm. we really try to follow those guidelines yeah. very quickly as well. Mm -hmm. And so baseline design has to be accessible for all of our kids. And then the actual technical accessibility of the platform has to be there too. So they right. can't match with those kids. So that's a huge priority for us. If it weren't that way, we wouldn't be as successful with those early learners because of the diversity in skill and experience and, and ability. And that reminds me of how a lot of technology now is making things more accessible, it's easy to forget that. It's easy to get dystopian and talk about some of the risks, you know, one of which is screen time, which is one 
probably worth, you know, also understanding your takes on that and how we navigate that. Because as a parent of a five-year-old, I'm very conscious of how much time is spent with technology versus consciously away from it. That's another thing I did see that I liked in your white paper and your philosophy is that even though you're an ed tech platform, part of your goal is to facilitate learning that is not happening in the technology itself. Can you talk a little about how you think about that? Sure. I mean, I think that's mission critical for this age. We didn't, again, back to what people think of when they first think of education technology, they think of, especially for a younger crowd, a gamified learning yeah. math problem or learning yeah. math concept. Minecraft or something. Computer, yeah. you're Minecraft, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But you're yeah. immersed in the machine. Mm -hmm. Do what you're supposed to do or get the result you're supposed to get. Yeah. Esau is not that. So Seesaw can facilitate full classroom instruction from a teacher's perspective. And we try to make that, you know, one of our primary goals to make that teacher's life easier by using the tools within Seesaw and then capturing real tactile, real world learning within the platform, but not on the platform. Yep. So that does happen. There are things that happen on the platforms, assessment, other things for sure. sure that's there, but it's not the primary thing that Seesaw is. Seesaw mm -hmm. has is this wider kind of learning experience platform can capture that offline world in a way that others can't, whether that's mm -hmm. audio, video, or, or what they're doing. They don't have to be interacting with the platform to demonstrate their learning. Yeah. Uh, and that's a big difference. And so a lot of that manifests itself in our portfolio, you know, like the student portfolio of work. That portfolio right. of work is not just answers to questions. It's, mm -hmm. it's video, it's audio, it's showing actual tactile, real world progress yeah. from student. And so that digital portfolio can live with that student for years. And so mm -hmm. you think about international baccalaureate schools as an example of where digital portfolios are a huge part of the way the yeah. school operates. This is a perfect kind of way to capture that over time. So that follows that student to the next teacher. Right. And then the teacher can kind of easily get a glimpse of that student's actual work and performance and personality and things like that versus again, their test score, or right. how they did in, on the report card. And yeah. so we try to really focus on that because we don't, we, meaning Seesaw and our kind of our, our ethos here, we don't want kids on the computer or on the tablet all the time. Right. We want doing the things that, that make them have joy, right? Building the blocks, reading the book, playing with computers, and then, and then capture that either from the teacher perspective or the student perspective so that we can make sure that we are seeing that progress, but it's not happening necessarily inside the application. They've yeah. a big difference between Seesaw and other things. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I forgot that whole phase of my e-learning nerddom when I w understood the difference between a learning experience platform and LXP and an LMS. Yep. And LXP, the learning experience platforms came on a little bit later, somewhat in reaction to the rigidness and kind of old school higher ed mental model of a learning management system. So that does make a lot of sense, again, as a parent who's collecting every little piece of art, aka junk, that is brought home from school every day and try to figure out how do you portfolio progress. progress, how do you portfolioize, you know, the physical stuff. But when you think about how far media and, you know, how much we can do with our screens, you know, it is a reminder too. I'm always blown away by how naturally my son can take to taking pictures or using the camera or recording his voice. How, you know, growing up with this technology, I think there's just a different level to which they're kind of born with it, growing up with it. And then I mentioned earlier, artificial intelligence, you know, everyone needs to have an AI strategy and understand how these really transformative technologies are 
changing the way we think about strategy, changing the way we think about even education and the future of work and all those kinds of things. I'd love to get a little bit of your thinking, maybe not just AI, but maybe starting there, AI and just emerging technologies. What are you most interested in? Where are you looking towards for ideas and maybe like a North Star and some direction around how you continue to innovate and stay ahead here? We're looking at a lot of different things to see what's going to be most helpful. But I think the early leader for us is how does it make a teacher's life more streamlined? So again, back to, you know, the concept that, that one of the principles of Seesaw is that it's going to make a teacher's life easier, not more difficult. We don't want it to be another piece of technology that's put on their plate that they have to go mm -hmm. figure out. One, it needs to be intuitive. Two, it needs to be supportive to what they do right. every day because they've still got to manage 20 to 30 students in a way and all the parents and everything else and all their demands, right. how does Seesaw make their life easier? So from an AI perspective, there are a few ways to think about that. And we have some AI enabled tools within Seesaw. We don't let things out of the bag to go face students and make sure that there is some kind of control process that before something gets in front of a student. So if a AI has a hallucination that is something that we don't want in front of kids, that's never happening. That's not right. a possibility with the way we've built the tool set. But we want to look at things like, for example, we're working on tools right now to better like, understand students reading and what they're doing from a voice recognition perspective so that it can help facilitate the grading and understanding of a student's ability level from a teacher perspective when they have 30 sets of readings to watch and listen to. How do we help them crunch down the amount of time it takes to go through that and understand that work? And then on the, on the teacher, kind of their workflow perspective, other than grading, having some, you know, basic assessment generation tools and some other things we've been starting there. We have that tool live right now. A teacher can, you know, within Seesaw say, I, I need a, a 10 question quiz on animals in Africa. And right. so it'll feed that quiz to the teacher. They'll have a chance to review it before it goes to a student to make mm -hmm. sure it's what they want and how it's structured. But we've got tools like that to just kind of facilitate what the teacher is doing and expedite, you know, make their life easier, frankly. That's a big goal of ours. But as we examine other uses for AI, there are probably a lot of them. We want to make sure that we're doing it really kind of considered. We don't want to rush in and change everything that we do or just start yeah. generating a bunch of content without a, a really great understanding of the editorial process that it's really meeting the learning objectives of that student. And it's not just content for content's sake, which I think is probably what's happening a fair right. bit now. So we want to make sure we're taking a really considered view. We have 25 million users around the world. We don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. A lot of people to get it wrong for. Uh, we right. take that responsibility really seriously, especially given the age range and, and kind of the importance of the job. So yeah, yeah, we think about it all the time. We're playing with it a little bit, but we want to make sure we do it right and don't kind of go too far in one direction when that's not the right way to go. Yeah. I mean, the thing I keep hearing more as the concern and the guardrail, it, interestingly, it ties to your motto there, keeps everyone in the learning loop is that you always want to keep the humans in the loop when you're using the AIs, and there's a lot of risk around that. The upside that I've heard that I, you know, I think is probably real is more the idea of personalization and the idea that you can start tailoring your curriculum. You know, it's very much something that was always top of mind at Kaplan. Like, how do you get the real individualization that is is really there to optimize the learning path? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably true. And again, back to the distinction between a young learner and an older learner and what they need and, and self-direction and some other things, we still see that human teacher or teachers most often mm -hmm. as 
critical to that early learner to help them understand, not just keep getting fed like leveled information or leveled text or leveled math problems. That's not, that's certainly going to be true. It's already true to some extent, but people have had to write all the items to do the algorithms properly and populate that correctly. That's probably true and probably true in the very near future. That still doesn't help, you know, the first grader or kindergartner unlock the way their mouth has to look to get the syllables right and or coach on, you know, building something in in the real world. It's not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And those teachers are and the parents understanding what's happening. Right. That's all so important. That can't be AI derived because those people aren't AI derived and they're not right. going to be taught that information that way. And so for these young kids, that human element is still so critical and we just don't see that going away. Right. In favor of some, you know, AI driven virtual tool, because then you're going backwards to what we just talked about. You're going backwards to the screen driving that student's day. And we don't want that. We believe that teacher is so critical and the parents are so critical and even the administrators to understand that young learner. And if they don't, we all we all know this, even though it's intuitive, the research backs it up very well. Those early years are so critical for that student's love of learning and continuing successfully with school. If it's done well. You have radically higher chances of success. If it's done poorly, the opposite is true. And so we, we take that responsibility incredibly seriously. Like the, the, this is the time. We have to get it right now. Right. Or that student's at a deficit for a long time. And so, you know, that's why we're wanting to be really careful with what we think is appropriate use of kind of those tools. Because we don't want to go into a world where the kid is increasingly on the screen more. That's not our objective. Right. Yeah. Right. And even spending less time with other humans. So like on screens in, instead of humans at this really formative time. And, and to your point, I've heard it also described as they need to develop their learner identity. They need to see themselves as someone who actually can achieve, can learn, can engage. And frequently that, that level of motivation and kind of emotional connection has to come from a combination of parents and teachers you know, we're getting closer to time, but I'd like to hear a little more about that too, like the the dynamics that you're uncovering and the way in which the relationship building between, you know, the whole, it takes a village to to raise a child, but there is an element of, you know, if you actually can't get parents to talk to teachers, get parents to talk to other parents and feel connected to what's happening in the school, I'd love to hear how you're thinking about that space. Yeah. So great point. It kind of goes to this like if you take away universal design of the thing and you just think about how do we get everyone involved and meet them where they are, right? Mm-hmm. So language is a big piece of that puzzle. And so, for example, the home language, the student might speak English and might be exposed to enough English within school or their peer group or something else where they're okay, but the parents at home don't have English as their first language. And so making those connections and communications with the school, with the teacher are very challenging. Mm-hmm. And so within the platform, as an example, to try to solve that problem as the best we can. If you're working with a teacher through the Seesaw app and you're getting messaged, you can translate their English message into whatever language is at home and vice versa. You can write in your home language back to that teacher and that teacher can see it translated Mm -hmm. into English. We try to remove those barriers. And so we also know from an economic perspective, most people have some level of technology now. And so at least we've gotten there, which was not true even relatively recently, but the phone's have made that really ubiquitous. And so making sure that the application for parents is super accessible on smaller devices. They don't need a laptop or a desktop. They don't need a tablet. 
to interact with the teacher, see what's happening within Seesaw. They can do it on their phone to make sure that those barriers are taken down as best as possible, that we don't have to, hey, you have to fit into our box to come play with us. Right. You, we're going to try to meet you where you are so that every parent has as high a chance of success as possible engaging in that loop. So back to the learning loop, we see parents as super critical to the development of this young mind. And so how are we going to make sure that we're getting them as involved as they can be or as they want to be? Those kinds of things we want to make really true. And of course, the audio and visual element of what's happening within Seesaw, what's being captured within Seesaw is a huge step in that direction too. Again, it's not just the report card. You've never right. gotten a report card before as a parent. How are you supposed to just, or a test result, for example, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. the Iowa test, you get all these results. What does that even mean mm-hmm. to me? I've never had these before. I've never seen them. I didn't take them as a child. Right. So seeing that real tangible, visible audit, you know, audio feedback from what's happening in the classroom is a step toward that kind of universal design for the parent, right? So mm-hmm. how do we, in front of the parent in a way, um, that's really powerful. So we think about that quite a bit. That's again, where AI plays a role, right? So the translations are getting better yep, because, yep. you know, the idiom, you know, being able to understand the idioms better within written English or written Spanish or written whatever language to get that back. So the teacher and parent can have a, a real communication that's not constantly bogged down in lack of understanding or bad idiom or something like that. So we think yep. about those things too, and that's a way to make kind of the AI work for you without having it drive what you do. I think that's, that's kind of an important distinction. And you're ultimately in service of the humans, in this case, the parents who might not get that sense of inclusion, that sense of belonging, if they weren't able to communicate in a more natural way, which makes a ton of sense. I'm talking with Matt Given, who's the CEO of Seesaw. We'll include links in the show notes, both to how to find out more about Seesaw and then also to check out the white paper that we've been talking about throughout today's show. As we're wrapping up here, Matt, first off, thanks again for joining. It's really a a fascinating conversation on a number of levels. Always like to wrap up with an opportunity for you to give our listeners some takeaways. Any closing thoughts, takeaways for listeners as we wrap up? You know, back to your your note about the white paper. And again, Michael, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You know, for educational technology to be successful, and, you know, again, I've seen it a lot over the last 25 plus years, everybody has to get it and be involved in it, especially for these early learners, for these young kids. So make sure that as you're thinking about tools, as you're thinking about how you're involved and and what you want from your school, if you're a parent, what you want from your administration, if you're a teacher, or if you're a a third grader listening to the podcast right now, make sure that you're getting the tools that actually work for you and facilitate your day. And, you know, don't feel like technology shouldn't be trying to replace the value that you guys provide, the teachers, the parents, the administrators, the students, like there's so much value in understanding that student as a person and tech should facilitate that in our mind, not be a replacement for that. And so I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway I would have. Amazing stuff. Matt Given clearly on hashtag team human. I think you heard it here. So nice job by you. Matt, thanks so much for joining me on today's episode. I appreciate it, Michael. Thanks so much. And for our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, Please subscribe, write us a review, tell your friends, have your third grader listen. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. Thanks as always for listening.